Welcome to the Utah Women in Sales podcast series. We are a group of women who are innovative, ambitious, and well-connected in a community where we educate, empower, and support women throughout their careers. Hello, everyone out there in our listener land. We are very excited with another episode for the Utah Women in Sales podcast, Women Who Win. Uh, My name is Gwen, and I have uh, my co-host with me here today, Taylor. Hey, Gwen. Hey. And we're really stoked about our topic for this podcast. We know a lot of our listeners being women in you know, their journey along their career, looking for tips and tricks and motivation around you know, increasing, improving confidence, um, leveling up that emotional intelligence, and really navigating, you know, using those two things to help navigate um, the different obstacles in our career journeys. And so to do that, We have an amazing guest with us tonight. Her name is Ashley Connell. And I'm going to let Ashley tell us a little bit about who she is and her passion projects. And then we'll jump right in. Ashley. Awesome. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Um, All right. So who am I? Ashley Connell. Um, So... (laughs) I'm CEO and founder of Prowess Project. And in order to tell you what Prowess Project is, it probably makes more sense if I go a bit more into my background and tell you how I got there. So uh, my background is B2B tech marketing. I did that for 15 years and um, mainly in startups and in Austin, Texas. I then moved over to London, England to open up the European office and then came back to Austin. And here I was 15 years into my career and I realized that as soon as I graduated school until then, I had all of this background anxiety about how I was going to continue this career that I loved. I was pouring my blood, sweat and tears into moved across the world for, and also have a family someday. Mm -hmm. How was I going to do both? So hopped onto Google for better or for worse and found this horrific statistic. Um, According to Harvard Business Review, if a woman is out of the workforce for just three years to raise children, she loses 37% of her total compensation power forever. Cannot get it back. Just ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And this happens to 43% of women in America. So this is a massive, massive problem. So immediately I start looking for solutions Mm -hmm. and I couldn't find one. So went out and talked to hundreds of women who were in this scenario. These are women who are educated, are have 10, 15 years of experience, had been out of the workforce for just two, three years to raise children. And now we're trying to get back in and all they could get were unpaid internships. It was just ridiculous. And so talking to them, I asked like, hey, what is your biggest barrier to reentry back into the workforce? And I was shocked by their response. Their biggest barrier to re-entry wasn't technology. It wasn't access to jobs. It was lack of confidence. And digging deeper into that, what they were telling me was it was a lack of confidence because there is not a clear path from home to hire. This is a very complicated problem specifically 
for women. And what they said they wanted was one place to get confidence training, goal setting, career planning, then also upskilling. So what's the latest technology? What are market trends in the workforce? Project management, how do I go about that? Also a social network of like-minded women who are in the same scenario. I had one woman said she will not go back onto LinkedIn because it was a graveyard of what her life used to be. And then of course, access to jobs. And so that's what Prow is built. We have all of these women go through this journey through our integrated platform. And then while they're going through the journey, we're gathering hundreds of data points on them, on not just their skill and their expertise, but also their behavior style, their communication style, emotional intelligence and value alignment. And that's how our tech algorithm matches them up with jobs, ensuring that they're compatible with the employers that they'll be joining as well. So been doing that for two years. I am talking to women all day, every day about confidence and how we take our place in the workforce. So again, so pumped to be here. This is perfect. Yeah, it absolutely. I mean, just everything that you have unpacked there describes so much of you know, some of the situations that we run into with our Utah women in sales and a lot of our gatherings and get togethers. And there's so many women that come up and are just like, I don't even know where to begin and how insulting to bust your tail for all those years and get that degree or put in that job experience. And then you take some time off to do an honorable and amazing gift to the world of raising kids. And then you come back and it's like a slap in the face. 100%. Like it is nature. Like women have to be moms. Like I, I don't understand why it's this big penalty and this big like scarlet letter because you took time off to do both. It, it's just ridiculous. And I wanted to solve my future problem. I don't have kids yet, but I was not going to let that happen to me. So belt prowess. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and we've talked about this before with with some other guests and, and within Utah Women in Sales is how how invaluable are the skills and the skill set that you build being a mother? You know, the debate, the multitasking, the juggling multiple things, you know, the handling things. There's there's so many things that you can't quantify into bullet points on a resume. Oh, we could do a whole other conversation about how much I hate resumes. So <laughs> that is a rabbit hole for me. I think they're ridiculous. <laughs> well, you you mentioned um, confidence. That was one of the things yes. that you talked about. So let's jump right in with that. Like, tell us a little bit about what you've seen, what, what you feel are some of the areas where women lag or how to do some self-reflection and see where, you know, someone in our audience might say, okay, I, I don't know if this is ta talking about me, but wait a minute, based on what she said, yeah, I, I kind of fall into that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So like I said, this is their top barrier to re-entering the workforce is confidence. What we find is as soon as we get the confidence, quote unquote, right, it opens so many doors. 70% of the women who go through our upskilling and, and confidence certification find jobs in three months. Mm -hmm. And so because of this, I needed to become an expert in confidence. And 
the way that I wanted to become an expert though, was not to do a ton of research because that wasn't really me. It was more of asking people in our community. So what we did was created this event. It was a panel of male leaders in the community and it was called Men Tell All. And the idea behind it was women talking to other women. We oftentimes it becomes a eco chamber if you and you can't get changed that way. We need to bring men into the conversation to actually make change. So that's what the panel is for. It's men and women in the audience asking them real life questions about what it's like to be a woman or, or um, what gender equality looks like in the workforce. And as you can imagine, men have a very different view than women do. I won't get into all of it, but the big nugget of confidence that we uncovered was men and women have very different definition for the word confidence. When you ask a man, what is confidence? Their response is fake it till you make it. So go in, pretend you got it. Doesn't matter if you don't, people won't know anyway, right? And so they say to women, okay, even if you don't know the answer, fake it till you make it. Well, when I when we were asking women the same the same question, what is confidence? They said, Ashley, fake it to you make it feels so inauthentic. Confidence to me means I have all the available information and I can make a well-informed decision based on all of this information. So if you look at those two different definitions, it they are night and day and in the sense of fly by the seat of your pants or do hours of research. So take that frame of, of mind and think of a workplace meeting. So in there, men and women, maybe you're brainstorming, maybe you're talking about what the goal should be for, for next year. Well, based on what we just learned about the difference between the definition of confidence, Oftentimes, it's men who are chiming in immediately, giving their thoughts, giving ideas, not even time giving like or saying anything that is truthful. I hate saying that, but sometimes it's true. Sometimes it's just talking for talking's sake. And then oftentimes it's women who aren't saying anything because they are digesting. They're making sure everyone in the room is being heard. They're gathering all the information. They're waiting for other people to give their perspective so then they can give a good or what they feel is a well-informed response. Now, of course, I'm not saying that this is always men and I'm not saying that this is always women because it, that's not the truth at all. And I, I definitely think that there is a ton of value of being out and being the first one to say something. But then when you, when you see that pattern happening over and over again, and then you look at who's getting the uh, pay bumps and the promotions at the end of the year, it typically is the men because they're seen as forward thinking. They're seen as leaning in. They're seen as um, quick on their feet and proactive. And so that's just something to keep in mind. And that doesn't mean you need to change. That doesn't mean that your definition of, of confidence needs to be fake it till you make it. What that means is you need to have this open conversation with other people on your team and so people realize what's going on in the room. Mm -hmm. 
And maybe if you are in a position of power and you do see man or woman, someone who has been quiet, maybe after you ask them, hey, would it be helpful if I stopped and said, hey, Gwen, what do you think about this? Or, hey, Gwen, do you want to send me some some bullet points from at the end of the meeting so I can get a better understanding of what you're thinking? So, again, confidence looks different for different people, but really thinking through that, naming it and discussing it is really key. You know what, when you're talking about confidence and you kind of laid it out between like men and women and their definitions, the other thing that immediately came to mind is if you take the definition of what failure looks like and what how yeah. men and women think about it differently. Like I know why I want to have every possible scenario answer in, in <laughs> before I speak up because I don't want to look like a failure. And men don't care about that. They will pull something out of nowhere, thin air, other places, and throw it out there in the discussion table. And then it's like, does it stick? Good. Okay, great. If not, oh, well, okay, I'll try something again three minutes later. Whereas I feel like in so many of those conversations and situations, it's been like, okay, it's, I, okay, I think based on all the data points and everything I've mm-hmm. And everything in my my years of experience. Okay, I think this might be one right answer. Okay, I'll raise my hand, and then they already moved on to something else. So it's just like you know that confidence and that fear of failure are so so closely linked. And I think with women, we really with your organization and what you guys are doing, you know, have to help get past that. Like it's okay, you're going to have a few gaffes or a few of those moments where everybody might turn their head and look at you. Um, <laughs> But that's where you need to use the fake it till you make it, you know, your, your confidence and whatever, move past it. Well, and reality is, yeah, you're going to maybe be embarrassed for a minute tops and then no one's going to remember. Like at the end of the day, everyone is obsessed with themselves, right? Like, and, and so they're not thinking about your, you know, misstep. They're thinking about themselves and that's okay. Yes. Yeah, we talked about this one historically on some shows as well. But I think, too, just going off of that, there's like a, a piece of women who are just ingrained to try to be perfect. And I think to your point, like people are afraid to make a mistake. But I think oftentimes in your career, it is so like, go, go, go. And speed is one of the, the best things. And if you I just think of so many people who are afraid to get started and they don't realize they're afraid to get started in their mind, they're just like, okay, once they need everything to be perfect before they get started. My mom, as an example, I was on the phone with her last night and she recently got some artistic, I don't know, I'm not artistic at all, but she has this new kit. And I was like, mom, you should make an Etsy shop. And she's like talking me through all of these different things that she would need to have perfectly like oh i gotta practice i gotta get the right business name i gotta get all these things right before she just goes and gets started where to your point ashley a guy would be like sweet let's do it and then they (laughs) go well you know for for better or for worse sometimes but i know you mentioned briefly um i don't now i don't remember exactly what you called it but like a confidence course or something like that what are some of the things that you walk women through in your courses or just like an example how they can kind of start spotting this within themselves and maybe like making tweaks. Absolutely. So in this course, what was really, really critical is women don't like to brag on themselves. 
And so when you say, hey, what are your top three top best skills? You're going to get a blank stare. And so what we realized was so, so, so important in this course was to have these women and go out and talk to three people that they have worked with before. And it doesn't necessarily have to be three professionals. It could be someone that they worked with on a PTA or it could be someone that they worked on volunteering or or whatever that is and have those people give the top three things that you're good at. And then you're getting this information. You're like, wow, you know what? I am good at that. And and even in, in what is so key in this part of our certification on confidence is taking these things that other people say that you're good at and then bridging them on how they are used in the workforce. That is super, super key, especially for women who are returning. Um, what's fascinating to me is women corn fairy did a study it was about emotional intelligence and the different in genders and what they found was women scored higher on all the emotional intelligence components well 11 of the 12 the 12 there was it was completely even there was no difference based on gender And so what that tells us as women, we have a natural skill and natural strength through emotional intelligence, which is empathy, which is self-regulation, which is self-awareness. And what's fascinating about that is 87% of CEOs will say they want talent that has emotional intelligence and they believe that that will boost the bottom line of their company. Then you ask the rest of the people in the company and 90% of them says that emotional intelligence is undervalued. And that, quite frankly, that's the worst because here women, our natural ability is to have these skills. They're supposedly needed, they are directly there's a direct um, correlation to making money, and yet we don't have the words and and the and it, at work we aren't rewarded based on having those skills. Yeah, I liked what you said about how there's so many, like you need to take those three skills that others say that you're great at and just realize and think through how relatable that is to other jobs. I know that's something that's come up historically where someone was talking about negotiating, right? And they were like, I negotiate every single day all day long but when you're applying for jobs you don't really realize or you don't speak to that in the interview process and something like that is so relatable i guess i'm curious to know your thoughts on why you think there's such a big disconnect there if all of these ceos are saying it's so important yet 90 percent of the workforce is saying it's so undervalued where do you think that disconnect starts i think if you look back the workforce used to be all men and men are rewarded for being aggressive. They're awarded for um, being right. They're awarded for being loud. They're rewarded for um, 
talking longer. And again, this is no one's fault. In no way am I saying, oh, shame on men. No, 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 no. We have created this together as a society. And so if you think about it, that has been rewarded from the beginning of time in the workforce. And we're just now opening up to, oh, wait, there's a different way of going about this. And oh, wait, this doesn't have to be a shouting match to show my gravitas. Like this can actually be a healthy conversation where we're all vulnerable and we get to the bottom of the actual problem. And so I think that that's really key. And CEOs are starting to wake up to that and starting to value that. We have a long way to go. But what I will say is the top way to to get the top way to start moving the importance of empathy is to continue to have that conversation, mm-hmm. to use those words within your team, use the words empathy, use the words vulnerability, define them if, if you have to. And if you are in any part point of leadership, call those out when you see them directly in front of people. Definitely, definitely is going to, to take more and more of that leaning in and challenging these, these, I guess, workplace norms that have really, you know, put us in this position where we see from the outsider, you see from the 50,000 foot view, these things about women in these leadership positions and in your workforce that would make it better, but overcoming some of those hurdles and getting there is, is, is hugely key. And um, I, I love everything that you're sharing about the vulnerability and the empathy and um, it is so true because so much about what is viewed for performance and accomplishments um, still continue to revolve around these objective black and white data points that don't take into account the entirety of, you know, somebody that has a lot of EQ that's going to maybe their numbers aren't as, you know, aggressive or achieving as the other person. And I've seen time and time again, these situations where they talk about, yeah, maybe I didn't make these numbers in this quarter, but over the whole year, it was better than everyone else because it's the long style. It's the long-term relationships and rapport that really are developed by employees possessing EQ, specifically women, because we can buy it so naturally and inherently. Absolutely. And I have a good example from someone in our community and she is a salesperson and she said um, she used to be really, really self-conscious about not knowing the answer when a prospect or a client asked a question. And so she would watch her male counterpart do the tap dance, right? Like just come up with something and word vomit it up and it sounded good. And we just kept moving. And yeah. And what she found was she was like, that's just not authentically me. So what she did was she said, you know, I don't know the answer to that. I'm going to come back to you with the right answer in two days. And sure enough, she came back with the right answer in two days. And over the long term, that prospect became a client and that client stayed on for way longer because there was this vulnerability and there was this trust that the answer was correct. Mm -hmm. And she was doing her due diligence in order to make that happen. A hundred percent. I don't know why there's that misconception, you know, across that the sales rep has to know everything on the spa. And I hear that on my, you know, I hear that same example play out all the time. I'm like, they know 
that you're not a hundred, like you can tell in your tone that you're not confident with what you're saying. It does you so much of a disservice to try to just BS something and make it up as you go versus just being up front. Like people actually genuinely really appreciate the honesty. Um, so I love, I love that example. Yeah, I've, I've got to say, I've definitely fall, fallen victim of just trying to say something and, and blurt something out. <laughs> and yeah. I tell you what, I've learned a good lesson. Just shut up. I don't know, but I'll get back to you. Cool. Got it. <laughs> Double thumbs up for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so Ashley, just kind of switching gears here a little bit. I know one thing that you've spoken on um, a lot historically or just kind of, you know, prior to this podcast is kind of the difference between a sponsor and a mentor. And that's something Gwen and I have briefly touched on episodes before, but not really diving into the difference between. Um, Unpack that a little bit for our listeners. Sure. I, I absolutely love when women use the tools of a mentor and sponsor, because like we were saying before, oftentimes it women feel very uncomfortable bragging on themselves. So I heard this really good, easy explanation. A manager talks at you, a mentor talks with you, a sponsor talks for you. And I loved that because when you think about it, yeah, a mentor, the idea is, is that you're going back and forth with someone. You're asking questions. You're in that, that conversation together. The goal of a sponsor is to be thinking about you and your professional advancement in your career when you're not in the room. So this is in the high level meetings when people are saying, hey, you know, we need someone to take on this extra assignment and possibly your sponsor is like, yeah, Taylor, Taylor would be really good at that. You know why she'd be good at that? Because of X, Y and Z. And so you're creating this relationship with that sponsor so that they have at any point of time the data to back up why you're a solid choice. And if you just look at it, because I know it can be intimidating to say like, hey, so-and-so VP of the company, you want to be my sponsor? Her, her. Like, I, I get how that is is really uncomfortable. But there is a ton of data out there on um, when women in particular have sponsors, they really soar. Mm-hmm. And I, so even bringing that data and being proactive in showing that sponsor that, hey, I do want to take on more. I think that in itself mm-hmm. is so huge and so telling. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting, Ashley, that you 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 bring that up about how women would maybe be uncomfortable to ask for a sponsor or ask for a mentor. Um, there's a guy at my office at, he has notoriously, he has lunch with every C-level, every VP. And I talked to him and I was like, how do you like go about setting something like that up, right? And he has a phenomenal relationship with our CEO, like all of these different things. And he was like, well, they always offer. He's like, but nobody ever asks. And all he does is ask. And it's just one of those things where like, women, like, again, like you said, like, they just don't necessarily always have the confidence to just put themselves in like that vulnerable situation to just ask somebody to kind of be that voice for them where sometimes guys do. I completely agree. I mean, the worst thing they can say is no. Yeah. Yeah. And then you down another level and you find somebody else until you find somebody 
that has that abundance mindset, that has that mindset of yes. giving and growing and don't take it personal. And that would be the other thing I would couple that with because I know as women, it's like if we're told no, we take it personal or, you know, a lot of times it really impacts, but it's like, all right, I'm going to identify five people and extend five invitations and see what happens. Mm-hmm. And so out of curiosity too, is this something that you would recommend, let's say you're, you know, um, like a sales rep or a business development rep at a company and you decide to reach out and do some of this. And Taylor, you may weigh in on this too as a being a sales manager. Would you want your employees to, to say, hey, I'm going to be reaching out within the company to find a sponsor? How do you know if, if it's somebody you manage directly or if it's your manager, you want to keep them in the loop? Or what are your thoughts on some of that? I guess from from my my perspective, like if somebody on my team was really hoping to connect with like one of my bosses or something like that, I would want to know more so so I can be like a champion for them and helping connect them. Not as much where I feel like protective, where I don't want them to get advice from more people, like the more the better, right? But if there was any way that I could help connect or make that connection for them, then I would love, like, I would love to personally help. I don't know actually kind of what your thoughts are around that. I I was thinking the exact same thing. I think, um, I think what's really great about going to your manager is just opening up that conversation in general, because what's ultimately going to happen is you're going to share with your manager your aspirations, what you do want to go do. Why do you need this sponsor? Like, why do you want this sponsor? What's your end game? And even having that conversation, like you're, that will put like a little like pin in their head of, Hey, okay. Now I know Ashley wants to be CEO one day. Okay. How can I give her more opportunity? So now you have your manager thinking that and a potential sponsor. Also, I was thinking about the sponsor thing and yes, they can say no, but also don't always say lunch or don't always ask for lunch. Maybe ask for a walk and talk, maybe ask for 15 minutes, maybe ask for a a quick coffee or you drop coffee off at their desk, like make it so hard for them to say no, Mm -hmm. that (laughs) you, you make it happen. Yeah, I think that's right. Less is more. Kind of dipping your toe in because you know that a lot of these people who you would reach out to for sponsors, um, they are very busy, very high profile yeah. people. Mm-hmm. And I know that for me, if somebody came in and said lunch, lunch a big chunk of time out of my very busy schedule. But if it was, hey, can we grab a virtual coffee? Can I have a 20 minute conversation with you? Oh, my guard comes down. I'm like, this isn't going to put me in a bind with my other obligations. And, and, and I feel much more amenable to agreeing to that. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And I think too, like I don't run across that many successful individuals that don't want to help if people just ask. I think that's one of the other things. That I don't know why people feel like they're like, don't want to share there. Now, definitely like, keep in mind, there's plenty of people that don't have an abundance mentality, but those aren't typically the people that are extremely successful in what they do. So I think just kind of keeping that in mind to our listeners as well. Well, you know, you're exactly right, Taylor, because chances are that person had a mentor. Mm-hmm. 
whether, or I mean, sorry, a sponsor and a mentor. And even if it wasn't labeled as a sponsor or a mentor, they had someone who was speaking on their behalf in rooms that they were not in, period. Yeah. Wow. This has been, I mean, again, like I'm over here jotting down notes as we go. I think there's so much to take away. And Ashley, I just want to say like, as somebody else, like when you, when you opened up this segment, you're like, I was so afraid. I love what I do, but what about, I'm like you, I'm like, oh my gosh, in 10 years when I'm going to have kids, like SOS, like just panic attack now. And that's like nowhere even in the remote future. So I love that you were like, you know what? I'm going to solve my future problem. And I think it's a problem that so many women either have faced historically, are facing right now, or will face, right? So I, I love what you're doing. And I think you've probably, I mean, made a massive impact on so many people. So I just want to say like, thank you. I, I do appreciate you. That, that means so, so, so much. And I want you to know that I'm in your same position. I, I don't have children yet. Um, and what we're finding actually is 40% of the women who join the prowess community don't have children yet either, but they're starting with prowess now to plan and so that they can have some sort of employment, whether it be 10 hours a week versus full time while they're having children again, to mitigate that 37%, um, penalty for for being out yeah just wild women are planners yeah trying to plan for things that haven't even happened yet (laughs) Uh, yep 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 (laughs) awesome well as we kind of wrap up here Gwen and I always love to do like our personal takeaways um again like I mentioned we I always end up writing like a whole notebook down um but yeah I think that one thing that I would just take away kind of as a challenge for our listeners some of your advice in your in your courses is, you know, one, get okay, get comfortable with like bragging about what you do great. Everybody has things that they do well. But I loved your exercise of like ask those around you your top three things that you're good at. And to your point, like it doesn't have to be necessarily in a professional workplace. There's so many different examples that you can pull that from. Um, and I, I'm, I'm really big on like themes. And I think what would be pretty interesting and I would challenge our listeners, but I have a feeling that you would see a lot of themes and common commonality amongst a lot of the responses from the people that you ask. So I would definitely say like, like we talked about, like start somewhere. It doesn't have to be, be okay being vulnerable. You don't have to go out and like wait until it's perfect, but a great place to start would just be asking those around you, like what they think you're really good at it. And then kind of taking that and going from there. Yeah. And I, I would kind of chime in along with that confidence piece of, you know, for our listeners, think about the next time and actually think about some situations in the past where you're like, oh, I wish I would have spoken up or man, I should have. And now think about when those situations come back around again and just make it a point to tell yourself this meeting, this call, this conference, whatever, I'm not going to leave until I've done at least three examples of something I didn't do in the past. I'm going to speak up three times, whether it's to to add something to the conversation, whether it's to piggyback on another point, but just get your voice out there because that's that first step in confidence and realizing you know, like it's okay to, to, to have a flop or to have a, a gaff mm-hmm. and, you know, not everybody in the room is turning and looking at you all eyes on you. Just, just get out there and do it. Mm-hmm. 
one thing my boss always says, we'll be in like a product meeting and they'll go through something. And he's always like, if you don't know, ask, like, do not be afraid to ask for clarification. He was like, because 98% of the room is pretending like they don't know. And like, he's like, don't feel bad. Like if you don't know, freaking ask because everybody else is just sitting around pretending like they know what's going on and they don't. And so he's like, always really encourages us, which I'm thankful for. But he always says like, don't be afraid to ask a question. There's not a dumb question as silly as that sounds like it really is true. I love that. Love, love, love it. But yeah. Honestly, Ashley, it's been a pleasure having you on our show. Um, for our listeners out there that want to connect with you further, um, maybe kind of gather more information about your company, that might be right up their alley for a lot of our listeners. Tell us, tell them, tell everybody uh, where to find you. Yeah, so you can hop over to prowessproject.com. And if you're interested in our free professional community, you can find it there, but direct, you can go to prowesscommunity.com. And then we are at prowess project on all social media. So please feel free to, um, to come see us, see what we're all about. And if you need anything, you can message me in the community. Awesome. And then before I forget, we always like to give back to our listeners. So for those of you that have been following along, you know, we always do a listener of the week. Um, and I have our listeners. So this week, I wanted to give a shout out to Tara Chapman. So Tara, thank you for following along. Awesome. Awesome. Well, again, thank you both of you so much for, for your time and Ashley, especially for coming on and sharing. I'm just thinking of all of the, the encouragement and the information that you've shared that really, I hope is going to be the catalyst for some of our listeners to take that next step and and embolden themselves to really achieving more. And we can't thank you enough for that. I just love hearing that. This has been so fun. So no, thank you all. (laughs) I really appreciate it. You've been listening to the Utah Women in Sales podcast series. A big thank you to our friends at Franklin Covey. For more information, please visit us at utahwomeninsales.com or follow us on LinkedIn.